0: Speech is Power, Speech is to Persuade, to Convert, to Compel, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Ask yourself, how would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator? If you want to learn more, listen to my guest on this episode of Passing the Torch. My guest is the founder of MasterTalk, a popular YouTube channel and coaching practice he started to help the world master the art of public speaking and effective communication. As an experienced speaker and facilitator, he understands that audience members need to walk away captivated and, above all, inspired to master the art of communication. It should be seen as something to look forward to rather than a burden that must be overcome. Without further ado, Passing the Torch with Brendan Kumursamy start starts now. First and foremost, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me, and thank you for reaching out about being a
1: guest of my show. That really means a lot. Of course, Martin. The pleasure is absolutely mine. It's great to be on the show. How are you doing? Life is great, man. Life is great. Can't complain. How about you?
0: (laughs) As we were talking before, we started recording. I'm just getting over sickness. I'm getting better. And I'm excited about this opportunity, especially as I started researching uh, your content But with that, I just want to jump right in and ask, how can people master the art of public speaking?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's a great way of getting started, Martin. So for me, the question has always been, communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, right? So one of those balls is eye contact. One of those balls is body language, storytelling, smiling, facial expressions. And the list can go on for a really long time. So it gets really overwhelming for people. So for me, the question, Martin, has always been, what are the three easiest balls to juggle? Because if we can juggle those, then we can master communication a lot faster. So let me start with the first one. If you want me to share the other two, I'm happy to.
0: Yeah, go, go, go for it.
1: For sure. So the first one is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like light bulb, like cup, like tissue box, like paper, like home, and create random presentations out of thin air. And this serves two main purposes, Martin. The first one is it helps you deal with uncertainty. Life is filled with it, right? When you meet somebody new at a party, you have no idea how that conversation (laughs) is going to go. And the second reason why it's effective is if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. So if you talk about avocados for 30 seconds, you can pretty much talk about anything (laughs) for 30 seconds. So that's number one.
0: Yeah, we'll go go into two and three. And I do have a follow-up question, but I'm interested to hear about uh,
1: uh, the second and third step. For sure. I always take a pause in the middle so I don't ramble for too long here. <laughs> no, yeah, it's number good. <laughs> <laughs> number two is the question drill. So what is the question drill? A lot of us, when we get asked questions in our life, Martin, at school, at work, at you know, in our passions, on a podcast with our family, most of us are reactive to those questions. We wait for the question to come up versus think proactively about them and guess them in advance. Let me give you an example with me. So a few years ago and I started guessing on podcasts, I was horrible and I probably still am, but I was a lot worse back then. Really, really bad. I remember some guy asked me, hey Brennan, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at the guy and I was like, I don't know, man. Los Angeles? <laughs> New York? Like you tell me. So I wasn't really good at it. So what I do instead, every single day, Martin, for five minutes, I just answered one question that I thought the world would ask me about my expertise, my products or my services. So every single day, I would just answer one question about communication. And people can do this with what they care about. But if you do this for a year, Martin, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry, and you'll be bulletproof. That's number two. And then finally number 3 is the video message. Just make a list of five people you love the most in your life. It could be a brother, a sister, a cousin, a client, a podcast guest, a friend. And just send them a 20-second video message. Say, "Hey, I'm thinking about you. I really love everything that you do in my life and I'm just really grateful for you. Hope you're having a fantastic week, Martin." That's it. Easy threes.
0: So I can expect one of those videos from you uh, tomorrow.
1: <laughs> I usually like to give you like the live one while we're here.
0: No, that's good. I appreciate that. Uh, On that, because that actually uh, drives my question. You've already explained it, but maybe further expand upon it. What is your advice to people seeking the ability to deeply connect with others through public speaking?
1: Yeah, deeply connecting with others can fall under a a few frames, right? One is the intimate one-on-one conversation, Martin. And then the other frame is more in a bigger group. So let's tackle both frames. So the first one is one-on-one. Here's all you have to do, Martin. It's really simple make a list. It's so obvious nobody has said this, actually. Make a list of the questions you wished other people asked you and mm-hmm. just ask that to other people. So if you end up coming to someone, you meet me in person, you'll realize really quick, I'm not the kind of guy you ask, how's the weather? Like, I really don't care. It doesn't really matter. But you're, I'm the kind of person you ask, hey, what's your dream? What are you excited about building this year, Martin? What are you grateful for? What, are you, what, like, what is really getting you... Jazzed up, like that's the kind of questions I want to answer personally, like in a in a, in a one on one context. So what did, what do I do? I just ask those questions to other people. What are you passionate about? What are you excited about? And what happens because most people are lazy in conversation is they'll just answer it and go, "What about you?" So you get to answer your own questions. So that's that's the 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 killer <laughs> advice there. And then the the other advice is more in terms of groups. In terms of groups, it's about understanding three things, Martin. One is, how do we get people to listen to our ideas? That's the first piece. But there's two other pieces we fail to think about. The second one is, how do we get people to take action on our ideas? And the third piece is, how do we get people to share our ideas with others? What does that mean? Let's use a simple question, or, or rather example. So let's say I got a cupcake recipe, and I'm sharing this recipe with, let's say, you and five other people. And I'm sharing this really passionate. I got this cupcake recipe. There's 17 different ingredients. This is how you make it. And I leave. But next week, when I ask you and the five other people, the four other people, hey, who actually did the cupcake recipe? They go, nobody. Oh, I didn't work on it. Why why didn't you try it? Oh, there's too many ingredients. It was too complicated. You're too fast. I couldn't keep track of all the ingredients. And I don't have time because I'm a busy mother with seven kids and I have time for this. So notice what I'm doing is I'm listening to the audience more and I'm realizing that my initial presentation, sure, might have been content heavy, but no one's taking action on my ideas and definitely people aren't sharing my cupcake recipe with other people. So I go back to the drawing board and I make the presentation better and I tell them how easy it is to make, how it only takes 10 minutes. There's actually five ingredients, not 17. And then people start enjoying delicious cupcakes.
0: I love I love that analogy. That's great. I want to just dive deeper into... What you consider practical public speaking tips and tricks that someone can apply immediately and advanced public speaking tips people cannot get anywhere else.
1: So let me start with this, which brings us back to our easy threes. The random word exercise, pick a word like cup, like pistachio, like ceiling, create a random presentation out of thin air. The second one is the video message. Send video messages to people that you love. Pretty simple. And the third one is the question drill. Ask one question for five minutes every single day until you have an answer for everything. But here's the problem. The problem, Martin, is a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are are writing the tips down. They're going, wow, Martin, you brought on some cool guy named Brendan. He's sharing all these tips, but they don't realize the most important tip, which is you don't learn speaking by listening to me and you speak. You learn speaking by speaking. That's why I encourage all of you listening to this podcast to book 15 minutes. Every single day to do all three of these exercises. It only takes 15 minutes. And for those of you who think they don't have 15 minutes, my only question to think about, Martin, is who showers every day? Really think about it. I'm assuming most people are listening, if not all, hopefully shower every day. You got 50 minutes in there. You're not doing anything. So just do the red to word exercise. Do the question drill. Don't send video messages in the shower. Okay, That's illegal. But wait. <laughs> Wait until you're outside, but send some video messages. But that's the point I want to drive. It's not about resources or lack of resources like Tony Robbins says so well. It's a lack of resourcefulness, and that's the key. And most people, and I I can talk about advanced stuff too if you want me to, Martin, but you know my career, I've coached hundreds of people in a private basis, and I'm probably going to coach another thousands more throughout my life, and none of them. We're doing all three of those things consistently until I yelled at them to start doing them. So even if you do all three, which are my first three balls, you do them consistently, you're gonna be a pretty advanced speaker pretty quickly.
0: No, that's great. And I actually think just the other questions I have lined up will it'll open up and answer the, you know, the, the advanced questions. I know you've done a lot of speaking engagements. How do you typically organize your speeches?
1: So let's start with the simple thing that people can implement but right away, which is ball number five. So ball number four for people who are keeping track of that is the best way to speak is to speak. So just book time on your calendar to do the first three balls. So number five is called the jigsaw puzzle. So puzzles are toys we used to play as kids, and some of us still do, right? It's like those yeah. thousand-piece puzzles, kind of put them together. So the question now becomes, when you work on a puzzle, which pieces do you start with first? And the answer for most of us is the edges because they're easier to find in the box and they got the little edge piece to them. So you do the edges, then you work your way into the middle. Why am I bringing this up? Because in presentations, Martin, unfortunately, we do the opposite. We shove a bunch of content in the presentation. We get to the presentation. We ramble throughout the whole thing. And then the last slide sounds something like this. Uh, like, uh thanks. Not the right approach. So instead what you want to do is practice like a jigsaw puzzle. The next time you're preparing for a presentation, Martin, just practice the edges first. Just practice the intro 20, 25 times. Not two times, do it 20 times. 20 seems like a big number, but it actually isn't. It only takes 45 minutes to do it 20 times. Because your intro is two minutes. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. So same thing for the close, do it 20 times as well, then tackle the middle. And I'll give you kudos where it's due. You're a great example who actually applied that today because you really practiced your introduction. That's why it came out well. Like it took you time to come up with that, you know, the Emerson quote that I've never heard before, by the way. So I need to steal that, right? <laughs> when you went into that intro. But most podcast hosts wouldn't take that time. That's why they don't get the results you do.
0: Hey, I appreciate that. I came across that quote. And after looking at your content and your YouTube channel and just uh, everything that you've you put out, it seemed very fitting. You talked a lot about all the preparation, and you shared some tips and tricks and preparation, how people can really improve with their uh, their public speaking. I'm a big-time sports fan, and with sports, a lot of uh, my favorite athletes have some type of uh, pregame ritual. So for you specifically, do you have a pre-speech ritual, ritual that you uh, conduct before every engagement?
1: Sort of. So I do but i don't recommend my routine to other people cuz everyone's got a, such a different routine kind of like with athletes right all of their pregame game routines are very different besides the obvious working out and so for me what i'll say is 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 don't don't do mine that's one the second piece is i don't do it all the time i only do it when i when the presentation is what i call quote unquote high risk so high risk just means if it's a really, really massive opportunity, like when I have tomorrow, actually, so I'm going to practice my routine tomorrow. And then another one is if I'm giving a big speech. So I'll tell you the routine. Essentially what it is, is I wake up fairly early in the morning and I don't say anything to anyone for most of the day. So I actually stay quiet, which is very weird for me to do because I'm a hella extrovert. So, so I stay quiet. I put, I, I obviously shower, get dressed put something nice on. I usually put a suit when I'm giving a pretty big presentation, but I don't always have to. And then what I'll do is I'll just sit there in silence and listen to meditative music for like an hour or 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And then when I get on that big appearance or that big opportunity, I spew all of my energy onto that opportunity for the day. And then I I empty the gas tank, basically.
0: That's interesting. I've never considered that. That's that's new. I feel like if I just was quiet for... Half the day, people would question me or think I'm mad, but...
1: Yeah, I warn people ahead of time, so they're, they don't freak <laughs> out too much. They still freak out, but they don't freak out as much because I tell them.
0: No, that's good. So I'm a big fan of public speaking, and, as, and I told you before that I'm in the military, and public speaking is such a key component of communication. I see public speaking as a, a force multiplier for other skills, and it allows people to see you as an authority for better or worse, I think public speaking is also a therapy. How does public speaking and public magnify one's ability to do almost everything else?
1: So let me start with this. For me, communication isn't just about speaking on a stage. It's one part of it. So that's the way I always like to say it is communication is an accelerant of dreams. Doesn't matter what you want in your life. It improves the quality of your life. Example, communication helps us raise our children better. Communication helps us get along with their family. Communication helps us make new friends, helps us order food at a restaurant, make the waiter feel really special about their life. For me, communication is every area of our life, Martin. It doesn't matter what we want because there's always somebody who has what we want and is a much better communicator than us. And often the people who have what we want are really good speakers. If we want to be a big executive in corporate America, Most of those executives speak really well. If we want to build a big business most of the time, not always, but most of the time, the person who has that bigger business that we're trying to build in our life is a pretty good communicator. If we want to be a better father or mother, often the people who have pretty good kids, they're pretty good communicators. They're probably not yelling 80% of the time at (laughs) their kids. They're probably really good at conflict resolution. They know how to make people feel special and all that stuff. And they definitely send video messages. And that's really the idea is it doesn't really matter what we aspire to want in our life, whether it be big or small. Communication is a vehicle that I believe just improves the quality of how one lives life.
0: <laughs> that's great. What did you say? Uh, communication is the accelerator to life. Is that what you said at the beginning? I great, think great I'm, catch. I, I might uh, title that as for the episode because I think that's great.
1: Absolutely, Martin. You're close. So, communication is an accelerant of dreams.
0: Accelerant of dreams. Okay. That's going to be the name of this episode, my friend.
1: I love that. I don't uh, know how to figure that one out. I think I just got lucky. Just, no, it's it good. It just to
0: me once in the morning. Have you ever watch The Office, by chance?
1: Yeah, I watched a few episodes. I'm not uh, a huge raving fan, but I've watched a lot, a couple of episodes. Yeah, but
0: there's there was just, you know, obviously Michael Scott, and he had a famous quote, like some, he, and it's something along the lines of, sometimes I just start talking, and I'm not even sure how I'm going to finish the sentence, so... Uh it's fitting for that. Uh, hey, I want to transition to some personal stuff because, and I have to read my notes on this one. I read a story about you stating that when you were five years old, your parents looked at you and said, Brendan, you need to go to French school. You live in Montreal. End of discussion. Except there was one problem. You did not know the language, not even a single word. Please talk through that, especially from the ages of five to 16, the formative years, And having to give presentations in a language that you don't
1: know. You nailed that. So you're right. I grew up in Montreal, Canada. I'm still based there. And for those who don't know, like Martin explained so well, French is the language that you need to know to speak in the city or else you can't really do much here. You need to know the language. Except I didn't want to learn it because I was really scared about learning. Because remember, you're sitting there in a classroom. You have no idea what the teacher is saying. And you're, you're just skedaddling and hopefully you're hoping to survive. So every time I would grow up, I, 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 or as I grew up, I was literally giving presentations in the language I didn't know. And then coupled with that, I have a crooked left arm. So because of that, when people would, would look at me as a kid, and still to this day, they'd always look at my arm. They wouldn't look at my face when I was presenting. And then even when I got to university... I studied in accounting, which is literally the opposite of what I do today. So yeah, I'm a big believer in if I could figure this out, my goodness, I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this could figure it out.
0: Hey, very quickly, you mentioned uh, you have a crooked arm. What, uh, what happened there? What, where did that stem from?
1: I was born upside down. So based on what I understand anyways, I was born upside down. So th- when, when that happens, the doctor has kind of two options. One is to cut the mother's stomach open, which risks the mother's life. And the second version is, uh, is to pull me out in a vacuum. So they want the vacuum. There was a mistake in the vacuum. That's how my left, kind of left side of my body kind of dislocated. It's not that bad, though. Like, I still have movement in Yeah, my left arm. I still use it. But, uh, but, yeah, it's crooked.
0: Hey, I appreciate you
1: sharing that. Thank you for opening up on that. Of course. I'm pretty open. You can ask me anything. Uh, following
0: up on that story, do you have an example or story of when bad communication hindered friendships and or a work environment?
1: Where bad communication hindered friendships or work environment? Excellent question. I've actually never been asked that before, so I'm glad you did. So so here's, here's a thought that comes to mind, which is more in relationships in general. We say this all the time whenever we're in a relationship with somebody. It's a five-letter word, a five-letter sentence rather. And the sentence is, I need more alone time. I need more alone time. But what's interesting about this sentence, Martin, is it can be misconstrued in a hundred different ways. Because I need more alone time could mean, hey, uh, I just need an hour in the morning to read my book. It could mean I need two weeks in a cave, don't text me. It could mean I need to take out the dogs for a walk for like 15 minutes just to get some fresh air, and I just need that alone time where I'm listening to music for 15 minutes. But if we don't specify what alone time means, it can get interpreted as this person doesn't love me. This person doesn't care about me. This person doesn't want to be around me. So notice in that small example, I need more alone time. Seems like a really innocent sentence can destroy relationships around you. So that's why we need to shift the conversation, the languaging from I need more alone time to, hey, babe, I would love 15 minutes in the morning to just read my book in my own space because it allows me to show up better for our family. Is that okay with you? And notice how when we do that, very specific, no feelings get hurt. And it's why I've been able to live with my mother and my sister and not get into a single argument in the last ten years. <laughs> that's it.
0: <laughs> Bra- bravo, <laughs> bravo. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. It's all just about how we can phrase stuff, right? How we intend a message may not necessarily be the way that it's received. On that, because I, I, I kind of, I, I like the path that we're we're going down. You possess an extensive background with communicating, has proven with your amazing answers. How has a failure or a parent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure of yours? And it can't be something that, well, if you want to use something from the language barrier as a kid, that's fine. But yeah, anyway, do you have a favorite failure story?
1: A favorite failure story? I'm trying to pick between my collection of so many different failures. I mean, I think one big one was, let me see. I mean, there was one where I botched a speech. Oh, no, no, no I'll give you the 50,000 email one. So, so when I was getting started with MasterTalk, I had a brilliant idea, and I'm being very sarcastic here, by the way, for people who didn't, who didn't catch that, uh, of sending 50,000 emails <clears throat> to university professors. So here was the logic. Wow. My logic at the time was, this is back when I wasn't even producing my videos. I had like 300 subscribers or something. And I was thinking to myself, if I send my YouTube videos to a bunch of people, University professors and they like my videos because that's why I started the channel in the first place. We didn't have those resources. That hey, the students can, I mean, the teachers can just share it with all the students. And since the students change, but the teacher doesn't, the teacher can just keep sharing it with the new groups of students every year. It sounds like a brilliant idea on paper, yeah, except. University professors hated my guts for the most part. Whenever I would emailed them, they like, first of all, I don't know you, so don't send me an email. They were like really rude, like really annoying too. So, but the problem, the, the reason it was, a, it was a failure is I sent 500 emails, cause I didn't know how to automate these things. I still don't by the way. So I sent 500 emails every single day for a hundred days straight, Oof. literally. And I was stubborn. I thought it was gonna work. Instead of just realizing, hey, I sent 2,000 emails and nobody gives an F about what I'm doing, so I should probably email podcast hosts because podcast hosts are looking for great guests. They want to share cool and new innovative ideas and novel ideas that nobody else is sharing on their show so that they increase the value of the downloads. And they have a personal, selfish interest in knowing about communication because they're a podcast host they want to be better at speaking so they can attract a bigger audience. But I wasn't that smart back then. And so I should have I should have just said is there a better way to approach this or a better target audience and figured it out later, but it goes back to what Ben Horowitz says, right? It's not about finding the silver bullet, it's about throwing a bunch of lead bullets and I clearly was too stubborn with that one, that's for sure.
0: I want to talk a little bit just about education because but with, I think education is more than possessing a college degree. Education can also be gained through life experience and reading, especially with you because you've you've had some interesting things happen in your life. But what two to three books and listening techniques have you learned from the most and do you recommend to people?
1: Absolutely, Martin. So what I'll do is I'll give you one book and one listening technique. The reason I'll recommend one is because usually when I recommend a lot of books, people don't order them. <laughs> So so what I'll do is I'll give you one that you need to order, and then I'll give one listening technique. So one is the book. The book is called Thirst by Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison is the CEO and founder of Charity Water, which is a nonprofit. He started to help the world gain access to clean water. The reason I love the book is for multiple reasons. Number one, he's a fantastic storyteller. The way this guy tells the story of Charity Water is really, really impressive. I love it. Love the way he does it. So I learned a lot from Scott's ability to tell stories. The second piece is that he's a great reminder that anyone in the world can make an impact. Like this guy went from being a nightclub promoter in New York City, Martin, to building the, the America's largest water cherry that raised like a hundred million dollars in the last wow. twelve months alone. So it's absolutely wild, right? And the third piece is a quote. From the book that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And the quote is: the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. And those that would be my favorite book recommendation. In terms of listening, here's what I'll say. So a lot of people say you need to get better at listening, right? You got two years and one mouth for a reason. You gotta listen twice as much as we speak, which I'm not doing that great of a job of today because I'm the podcast guest, so I gotta I gotta yap today. But in the context of listening, what I feel is missing in the space is, how do I actually get better at this? How do I actually improve my listening skills? So it's actually an easy technique I teach clients that people can easily implement tomorrow. And you're doing this in part because you're a podcast host, but obviously most of us aren't podcast hosts, including me. So there has to be a workaround. So here's the workaround. I call it the goals call. Here's what you do. You message your best friend. Like the, your growth friend, somebody who likes growing, somebody who's listening to this podcast with you, essentially. Somebody who likes this stuff, who's listening to all these fun things, always wants to get better. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to book a 45-minute one-on-one call with them. And you're going to ask them their top three goals for this year and why those goals are important to them. So what that person's going to do for the next two minutes, Martin, is they're going to write down what their goals are, why they're important. They're going to tell you. But there's two rules to that call. Okay. The first rule is that you are not allowed to give advice. You're not allowed to give advice to that person on the call. The sec, the is Excuse me. The th- second rule is you're only you're allowed to restate. So let's say you tell me your goals, I can say something like, "Okay, Martin, what I heard were this is your goals, this is your goals, this is why it's important. Did I get that correctly?" And they go, "Yes," and you missed this, and then I type it out. And then the third thing, which is the third rule is I'm only allowed to ask clarifying questions. So let's say one of your goals is to grow your podcast. So a follow-up question that I ask you is by how many downloads? How many downloads are you doing right now? Okay, gotcha. What does success look like to you? Where do you see the podcast in the next three to five years? So what this does is it forces the person for the entire 45 minutes to just listen to the other person because you're not allowed giving advice. You're not allowed giving your thoughts. You're only allowed restating what that person said. Okay, that's what I heard. And you're allowed to ask clarifying questions. That's it. It drastically improves your ability to communicate and listen to other people.
0: I, I actually, one of my closest friends, he listens to not every episode, but pretty much all the episodes. And he'll get me like, oh, that was cool that you had this guest on. So I'm going to practice that exercise with him. And he's been actually wanting to be a guest on the podcast, but I haven't quite found the, the right topic for him. And mm. I don't, you know, don't want to have some generic something vague. I know it would be a great episode, so I'm going to use that. So thanks for that. Of course. Hey, hey, just wrapping up, what three things are you grateful for?
1: Three things that I'm grateful for. You wouldn't believe I've done the gratitude exercise probably like five times in the last week because my coach always forces me to do gratitude. I'll say the, the, the three things that I'm grateful for. The first one is my own failures. Like the last couple of weeks up today, I had a great day. But the last two weeks, I've had a rut, man. Like I hadn't closed a client. I got on so many strategy calls and I was just feeling down in the dumps. And the reason I'm grateful for that is because the 10 year old version of me, 10 years from now, I mean, will look back because his life is way easier than the one I have now because he's already done everything and he's just chilling and enjoying life. Yeah. And he would just be laughing because it's like, wow, like it's at 36 life is too easy. Whereas now at this life, it's like, oh, can I make it? Should I mean I'm gonna make it, by more like, can I make it this year? Can I do it? There's like that more that challenge. So so I'm grateful in that failure. That's number one. The second thing that I'm really grateful for is the freedom to do what I get to do every single day. You know, three, 19 If you had told me that, hey, Brendan, you're gonna not only get your dream job at IBM and Price Waterhouse Coopers, you're gonna quit all these jobs. That you think you don't, you're not going to get in the first place, and you're going to start a business, and you're going to make YouTube videos on communication. I thought that person was out of the wazoo, and I get to do everything. I get, I mean, isn't this so cool? Like I get to spend my hour just talking with you instead of being in a corporate meeting. Like it's nuts. So I'm really grateful for freedom. And then the third thing that I'm really grateful for is direction, right? Direction and purpose you know, I've, I've found what my North star is really early in life. And a lot of people never find it. And I'm really grateful that I found mine. I have reason for, for living and, and doing what I get to do every single day. So those are three. And obviously there's family and all this stuff, but yes, for three. So I'll give you three. And
0: I'm actually, I'm glad you answered because I feel like family's a given. So, and for future guests, I'm going to ask people besides family or significant others, like what are three things you're grateful for? and i love that your failures and the freedom those are the two that really stuck out to me
1: i'll ask you the question back as well what are the three things you're grateful for i'm 41 years old and
0: i that i am i'm grateful that i have a passion and it's still fig, like like finding that exact niche what that passion is or i i you know i i kind of have the overall arena but just narrow it down and i'm just i'm i'm grateful cuz a lot of people my age don't have, they don't get excited about anything. Like I, I am a dreamer and I'm not afraid. And I'm grateful that I figured out that I, it's okay to do my own thing. And I'm grateful f- just for wisdom. You know, I've been in the military for over 20 years. The mindset, the growth of mindset that I've had and the passion, because there's so many things I'm excited about in 2023. And it's things that I absolutely 100% c- can't control. And even if those things don't work out, it's like if, if I end up failing at these things, they're good failures because I know I I'll regret if I don't do it. So a couple months ago, I just did a play. I'd never done a play before. Oh,
1: that's cool. Yeah,
0: and I just you know, and it was uh, I auditioned for the play back in September. Coincidentally, when I when I saw the advertisement for it, it was the next night the audition was. And then I, I again <laughs> never done a play. I was fortunate enough to get a a, a large speaking role and. And we did the play back in November. We did six shows. And I'm glad. I, and it was a lot of work. It was a lot of, you know, rehearsal for three to four hours, three to four times a week. Wow. And sometimes some things on Saturdays, you know, helping paint a set and build a set, that sort of thing. It was a lot of work and a lot of structure and my you know a lot of coordination with my wife. But I'm so glad I did it. And I look back and I know I would have been so mad at myself had I not went for it. And I didn't expect a part. It worked out very well for me. I love it. But just something I'm very proud of, just for, you know, just passion. But we're not here to talk about me, Brendan. We're here to talk about, you know, I appreciate you asking that, though. Thank you. Of course. It's important. I do have two last questions. One of them is, if people want to learn more about you, where should they, where should they go?
1: Absolutely, Martin. So, two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk in one word and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. That's number one. Number two is I run a free communication workshop over Zoom that's open to anyone in the community. So there's eight-year-olds who come on this call. There's CEOs of big companies are on this call. Literally everyone can jump in on this. And if you want to jump in and see me apply these tips live and give a presentation, a workshop for 90 minutes, go to Rockstar. Communicator.com.
0: And I'm going to link all this in the show notes to include your LinkedIn and everything else that I found uh, about your stuff. Last question. Are you ready? Let's do it. If there's a giant billboard message with your face on it and your leadership, leadership message for everyone to hear, and let's just say everyone's stuck on highway, rush hour traffic, everyone has to read and see your message. What would you want that message to say?
1: Be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. fine. But if you want to do something important with your life, something meaningful, you need to realize that the people who have done those meaningful things are often insane. Don't you find it odd, Martin, that you're having a conversation with a guy who at the age of 22 started a YouTube channel, not on pranks, not on music not on being a rapper, but on executive communication tips. And then he went on to coach all of these executives for money. He built a super successful business, yet he still lives in his mother's basement because I can take care of her that way. He has a nice car outside. I mean, it's like a Toyota Camry 2014, so it's nice. To humble, brag, it humble brag,
0: humble brag, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's humble. But he's too scared to drive it, so his sister drives it for him. He dances alone an hour in that basement, an hour a day, and he's in the top 1% of all listeners on Spotify for Justin Bieber. How does any of this make any sense at all, Martin? And that, my friend, is the point. When every decision in your life makes sense to the only person that it should, which is you, you're probably making the right decisions. So be insane or be the same would be my quote.
0: We're going to end on that because I think that's the perfect way to end. Brendan, thank you so much for sharing just your wisdom and your tips today. This has been fun. It's been great. And again, I just want to say I'm, I'm I'm truly humbled that you reached out to me to be on my show. And I look forward to meeting you in person in September.
1: Likewise, brother. I'm really looking forward to this one. Well.
0: That concludes another episode of Passing the Torch. Big thanks to my guest, Brendan Kumrasami. Here's a quick recap of the episode and things I am taking away. Takeaway 1. If you are someone that is introverted, there are a number of useful tips contained in this episode. Let me know in the comments which one you are willing to try, which leads me to takeaway two. Public speaking is seen as a force multiplier for other skills and allows people to see you as an authority. Lastly, takeaway three. You become what you consistently practice. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would really appreciate if you could follow, rate five stars and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. If you are someone who listens on Spotify, please follow and rate five stars on there as well. If you found value in the episode, took something away from the conversation, and appreciated the insight, chances are there's someone out there who may as well. So I appreciate it when you share. You can text the episode to a friend and tag me on social media. Let me know what you were able to take away. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. And finally, remember, vision, relate, develop. Take care, everyone. Foster out.